Amen. Look, I hope, I hope you can shout about that being free so that whenever you leave this life, you ain't got to worry about the life to come because we all go in that way and we got to make the appropriate arrangements for the journey, however long it may be. So I hope and pray that you're able to do that. You know, when I think about the Christmas story, okay, we all know about the Christmas story. And so this year, we're going to talk about some of the different characters from the Christmas story. Todd kind of provided me a little bit of inspiration upon this. We were chatting a little bit about... Um, you know, how we're going to, what are we going to talk about this Christmas season? You know, and as a pastor, these, you know, the years begin to sometimes run together on you. You know, I've been doing this a lot of years now. And it's like, okay, how am I going to approach this particular topic in a different way every year to keep something, you know, fresh, relevant? Obviously, you know, repetition is the best teacher, but we don't want to hear the same thing over and over and over again. At least I don't. So I'm assuming that you don't. And so he just mentioned something he had saw about where they talked about the Christmas story from the perspective of some of the different characters in the story. And I said, oh, that'd be a pretty neat thing. And I began to think about it, pray about it. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at some of the various characters that are recorded for us in the New Testament Christmas story. Now, I want us to think for just a moment as we're looking at the characters in this story that we remind ourselves of the importance of a story. So story is a metaphor for our life, okay? I mean, and so every one of us have a story, okay? And every one of us are connected to other people's stories. And so many of us in here, our stories are very connected. But in a world full of a billions of people, there's many, many other people who have their own story. And their stories are not connected to us necessarily, except through maybe the thread of, of the universal church or what God is doing. And so as we think about the Christmas story this year, I would challenge you to look into the lives of these characters and see how the record of their story impacts, influences, and might inform your story. Because ultimately... The Christmas story, I think, has been called the greatest story ever told, maybe, is God's story, the story of how God intersects into the world. And the beginning of that, or at least a crescendo, if you will, of His birth. Todd helped us understand last week that while this seems like there is a beginning, is the story had been written from the beginning. And it was building up until this moment that we celebrate as Christmas. And this is not unlike our story. See, there's multiple plot lines that are going on in all of our stories. There's a whole series of plots and developments that are taking place in your work life, in your family life, in your friendship life, in your financial world, in your mind. And so these are all plots and themes and all that that, that are, make up your story. And then when you take everybody else, they have all these things going on. It's a, it's a complex world. But somehow, some way, we get a record of God's story and how it impacts us. And so we're going to be looking at that over the next several weeks. I won't give you that intro every week. You got it this time. The first episode in the Characters of Christmas, we'll talk about the story of the Magi. 
For those of you who may know, not know who the Magi are, we typically call them the wise men. Okay? If you have a bulletin, I've got some notes there that you can take today. But the story of the Magi is recorded for us in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, I'm going to read this very quickly. Now, when I read fast, invariably someone comes to me and says, you shouldn't read so fast. I'm going to read this fast. I get it, okay? And you can still tell me if you need to. But So you got to keep up, keep along, go back and reread it if you need to later. Why don't you stand with me as we honor the public reading of the Scriptures together. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. The only record we have of the wise men are the Magi. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. Todd talked about this last week. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them that the time when the first star appeared. Then he said to them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. May God bless the public reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, real quick, so you understand, when we look at what we would typically call the Christmas story today, as is illustrated by the nativity scene, and remember this about stories, okay? Stories sometimes have to be massaged a little bit and twisted and not in a negative way but just added to so that they can be told in a certain way so it's very important not to get lost necessarily in exactly the details and the order if you want to know that you can really study it but when we pointing to a picture a story of the christmas story we're bringing together several different events and we're going to hear about those as recorded in luke chapter 2 but then also in Matthew. And so this didn't necessarily happen when Jesus was a very little baby, but it incorporated at the beginning whenever he was a young child. And we are introduced in this part of the story to some individuals that are going to be labeled the three wise men we say are the magi from the east. It doesn't really say that there were three of them. Notice, okay, again, we're telling a story. All right? And so as the story's been told, the assumption was made that there were three what? Three gifts, and so three wise men. And some church traditions point to the names. But look, there again, if you get lost in the details, you can miss the point of the story. And nothing is sadder, especially when it comes to the Bible, on people who hyper-focus on details and get lost in the point of the story. And that's all I really want to say about that is look at what the story is trying to communicate. And we get today five lessons. I'm sure there are others. But there are five lessons that I want to share with you from the story of the Magi that will really help us if we apply them. And so I want you to just 
to think for a minute here, okay? I'm here today. I'm going to be here for the next few minutes. God, what, what are you wanting me to gather and ascertain from this that would help me in my own story? The first lesson that we see right here is from the Magi or this concept of priorities, all right? Look, look right here. I mean, this is very beginning stuff, but it says about that time some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Now, the wise men from eastern lands are coming from many, many hundreds of miles away, okay? Now, in their story, these people have decided that finding Jesus, the Son of God, was a major priority in their life. Like, it cost them a significant amount to make a trip like this. It cost them money. It cost them time. It cost them a loss of opportunity where they were. But they had so decided that finding Jesus was a priority that all of those other things had to fall behind what became their most important priority. And that is a very good lesson for all of us. We need to make finding Jesus, finding God, a priority. Now, it's not the only thing that we do, because guess what? They had to prepare, and they had to plan, and they had to travel, they had to interact, they had to live. But all of the other things that were going on in their life aligned themselves with the main priority, which was finding Jesus. And so this causes us to look at our own life and say, okay, what is my priority? Or what are my priorities? What are the things that are most important to me that are guiding the rest of my actions, my thoughts, my energies, and all of those things? See, the wise men, even though we don't know that much about them, many have assumed that they were influenced by Daniel and some of the prophets who had been taken over there in one of the exiles and that, that they had learned about this and that's how they knew the scriptures. And that's very, very possible. I can't tell you if it is or it isn't true. But I know this, is wherever they were, finding God, finding Jesus was a priority for them. And if you think about it, what are the chances that either three or a handful of, or an entourage of people would still be being talked about in thousands and thousands of places on a yearly basis. Can you think, I mean, how many people strive for that type of notoriety in their life? They strive to be remembered. They expend everything to be important. These guys here had made finding Jesus such a priority that guess what? Their story is still being told every year to billions of people. If you and I will make finding Jesus our priority, it will greatly, greatly increase our significance and meaning. Now, the second lesson that we can learn from the Magi is built around this idea of purpose, okay? Because notice that finding Jesus was a priority, but they were very specific in what they wanted to do. So when they saw the star rose, this is what they told Herod. We have come... To worship him. I mean, they, they make no bones about it. They are coming to worship Jesus. Then we have the little episode with Herod. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And then after they go on the way, they see the star. They're filled with joy. They enter the house. They see the child as Mother Mary. And they do what? They bow down and they worship him. 
Worshiping Jesus was their purpose. That was the point of the trip. Like, so finding Jesus was the priority on how do we get there. But when we get there, the whole point of the trip is to worship Jesus. And I want us to really hone in on this. Is our purpose as believers is to bring glory to Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to take special note that these wise men, these magi, passed up the religious epicenter of the world. What God was doing, the epicenter of God's story of redemption, of grace, wasn't taking place at the religious center. It was happening at the stable in Bethlehem, in obscurity among the nobodies. Way too often, we're trying to prioritize and find purpose in something that's not really the most important part of God's story. They had a concert uh, the Friday night that I went to. I saw several of you there. It was fantastic. And one of the things the guy shared is that, hey, the point of this, to worship Jesus, is to take the message out, not to try to have everybody come in and be comfortable and come do what we want to do. No, we're actually called to worship God by taking his message of grace out to others, whether that be in our workplace, whether it be in our families that may not come to church, maybe it's on a mission trip, whatever it is. I think of the passage in Hebrews where it talks about what our reasonable and spiritual service of worship is. It has nothing to do necessarily with going to church. Even though I'm a big church supporter, I love coming to church. I love seeing you here at church. I love worshiping with you at church. But the most important part of our worship doesn't necessarily happen at church. It happens as we're interacting with people out there in the world. And then hopefully, they're going to be so connected to Jesus. And they're going to be so attracted to what you tell them about Jesus that they'll want to be a part of a local church. Where does worshiping Jesus find itself in your list of priorities and purpose? I mean, that's a real hard question because sometimes we get off track. The Magi didn't, weren't off track on this. They knew their purpose was to worship Jesus. Number three the, of the five lessons that we can learn from the Magi, perseverance. Look, now they're in this story, all right, just like in life, all right? Try to align your priorities properly or in the right order and fulfill your purpose, and guess what? It's not going to be easy. There will be resistance. If you set out to fulfill the purpose that God has for you, which is to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ, you will experience quite a bit of resistance, and you will need to find perseverance. In this particular story, these wise men have already come quite some distance at a great cost. And they think that, hey, that just like we would normally think they're going to go through Jerusalem because this is the, you know, the religious center of this place. And they run into King Herod. But when they tell King Herod about it, he's very upset for a whole host of reasons. But we're not talking about his character today. He's deeply disturbed for a whole lot of reasons, so much so that he brings everybody else together. Then he tries to play a trick on the wise men and say, look, I want to worship him too. And so all of these things are really point at 
the same things that we will encounter in the fulfillment of our purpose. We're going we're to encounter resistance. There will be resistance to you fulfilling your purpose. Trust me. And the more you try to walk in the purpose of God, the more resistance that you're going to face. I wish I could tell you something different. Now, you'll get more strength to help you through the resistance, but there will be more resistance because we live in a world that has a prince of this world who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy everything that's good. And when you begin to fulfill the purpose of worshiping Jesus, which means that you're going to live in a manner that he would have you live, there will be resistance that will come. There will be confusion. There will be opposition. There's going to be all sorts of things. And you need to know that going in. That's the way it works. Like, remember, there is this... Now, I don't like to use the word cosmic battle because it's really not a cosmic battle because God is so over and above the enemy. But in this world of free will, there is a battle raging between the forces of good and evil. And if we place ourselves in the purpose of good, which is to serve God, we experience resistance, pain, heartache, suffering. We have to persevere. I think about just for a second, what if the wise men had ascertained from this situation that this could, this could go bad? If we don't, I mean, obviously, I think they come to understand through a dream later on all that, that Herod is a, is a bad character. But maybe everybody's not excited about that. Certainly the power structure of Jerusalem is not excited about a new king. Most likely the Romans aren't going to be excited about someone who says they're a king. And so what if, they, what if they didn't persevere through all of the resistance and the opposition? No, they, they, what if they hadn't done that? Isn't the world full of stories of people who just didn't persevere long enough? And what if this scares me about my own life because I face trials. I'm facing some now. You're facing some. What if I don't persevere? What if I give up? What if I give in just a little too soon? What, what if I just can't carry it just a little bit longer? What if I don't rise up to the occasion? Those what ifs are here for all of us. Are we going to persevere through whatever it is that we're dealing with? Look, fulfilling your purpose requires perseverance. Now, you don't have to fulfill your purpose. Most of the people that I meet don't fulfill their purpose, at least not very often. They're just meandering through their life, allowing life to blow them and move them in whatever direction it takes them. You want to fulfill your purpose, it takes perseverance mentally to align your priorities correctly. It takes strength to overcome resistance and opposition from within, from without, Guess what? It's hard, but it's not too hard. And you got help, and that's what you got to remember. Number four, couldn't have Christmas without looking at this lesson from the Magi. Boys and girls, this is probably going to be your favorite point. We see here in this part of the story that we see something about presents. All right? I was talking to Clay earlier to make sure he got this right because his wife's birthday was today, and he hadn't quite risen to the occasion yet. You know what I'm saying? But he did point out. That the day's not over. So there's hope, all right? So, but we get the whole idea 
of giving gifts from this particular story, and we've incorporated that into our boys and girls and some of our older folks' favorite part of Christmas, like these presents. And so we see that at, the, at this part of the story, the wise men present three presents to Jesus. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. If you want to go look at all those things, basically we know what gold is. Frankincense and myrrh are a spice, and a, um, one of them is a, a fair fragrance. They're very valuable. Okay, now, in this particular part of the story, I want us to notice some things about these presents because I believe that this will help us. The first thing I want to say before I jump into something about the presents is that when they came to offer worship, they didn't come empty-handed. Like, it wasn't just, oh, we're here to worship you. No, they brought something of value. See, that's what worship is, bringing something of value. You can't truly worship if you're not offering something of value. It's just attendance. It's just routine. See, we're supposed to offer something of value in our worship when we present to God. Now, here's the cool thing about it. When you really start thinking about it, the most valuable asset any of us have is time. Time, our energy, our thoughts. See, this is what people miss. See, one of the reasons why I never like to miss church, even when I travel, I like to go to church, is because for me, I want to say, God, I'm willing to sacrifice my time to be at a place where I can encourage others. Because you know what? I don't know if where I go, there might be an Alan Bersania visiting from McAllen, Texas, and another long-haired guy who's in the back may go and shake his hand and say, hey, man, I'm glad to see you. I don't know if God's speaking through the song leader that day or the preacher and he wants to give me a word. And I'll miss it if I'm not willing to give him my time. See, that's what we miss. Our time is valuable. And it's very, very easy, very easy in this world where there's a thousand things pulling on our time to get our time out of priority. And our worship. Now, that's not to say that at church is the only place that happens, but it is a place that we can dedicate to that. And I think that's something in this modern world we've lost a little bit of. We try to fit our worship into our time slot instead of building ours around God's time slots. And that's very, very important. Now, when it comes to these presents, there's something that we see here about the presents that they offered to Jesus. Three things. Number one, the presents were appropriate. All right? They were appropriate in a lot of ways. Number one, they were appropriate because we find out very next part of the story in Matthew that Jesus has to do what? Does anybody remember? Let's give you a Bible story quiz. He has to flee to Egypt. Right? Because of what's happening with Herod and, the, and some of that resistance. So the gold is very valuable because now God has given them some provision to be able to make the trip. Isn't that something how God works? Those of you who were at that concert Friday night, and I even shared this, I think, with Miss Linda yesterday. I thought it was cool. The guy who was a Muslim, he was Iranian, was talking about how, how he came to Christ and 
how he, some people were inviting him to church, and they were inviting him to church, but he never would ask his dad because his dad, he knew his dad would say no. But what he didn't realize until after the fact is this one night he comes and asks his dad, his dad asked him, hey, what church is it? And two weeks prior, they owned a restaurant. Some people from a local church had jumped in and helped him when he was short staff on his waiter and didn't complain and it really helped him and he had heard the name of this church. And so two weeks prior, these folks had given of their time, of their energy, instead of complaining about the service and why don't they hire somebody or whatever. Listen, they had gotten up out of their seat and they were helping other people in the name of Christ. This guy who's Iranian, he's a Muslim, here's the name of the church. Two weeks later, this other guy who gets invited to a church by these teenagers comes and asks his dad, it happens to be the same church. Coincidence? I don't think so. But guess what? What if, what if the people who were there hadn't done what they were supposed to do? This is how it works. When we offer anything to God, even if it's simple as simple as a little act of service, what does God do with it? He turns it into a way to soften this man's heart to let this teenager go to church. He comes to Christ and now he's an evangelist. I've heard so many stories like this. And so you and I need to offer up whatever the appropriate gift is for the situation to God. Now it wasn't just appropriate. These gifts were meaningful. One of the things I don't like about Christmas is how gifts become so meaningless. Be different. Make your gifts this year appropriate and meaningful. I love gifts. I love to give gifts. But I don't particularly like it whenever it's just chaotic and there's no meaning to it. I feel like we're promoting the wrong thing sometimes there. Make our gifts meaningful. These gifts were very meaningful. And if you go in and study, you realize how meaningful they are, okay? Because it's a foreshadow of what's going to happen to Jesus with His death, burial, and resurrection. On a lot of different levels, these gifts had tremendous meaning. Our gifts to God should have tremendous meaning. We don't even have to know the depth of their meaning. We just have to be available to give them when we're called to give them. I literally cannot think about that email I got from those folks in Cuba without tearing up and thinking about that, that day that they sent a Facebook thing through Robert and they said, hey, we just need $300 to do our children's camp. And this church took up $3,000 that day and sent it to them. And just the, the, when she responded back to that, and it was like a miracle. And the thought that, hey, what, we little, what little bit we did was a miracle to them. It just reminds you how important giving gifts in a meaningful way are. Look, even, even if something touches your heart and it's a, it's a dollar, it's five dollars, it's a little bit of time, man, don't miss the opportunity. Don't let the enemy steal your opportunity to do something good for God. Remember the old gospel song, little is much when God is in it. It's not the amount. It's the heart behind it. It's the meaning in it. Strive for meaning when you give gifts. And the third thing about their gifts that were very costly, and that's important because really true worship is sacrificing something, whether it's time, whether it's energy, whether it's money. 
You know, one of the reasons that we give our loved ones something that costs something is because it matters. Nothing worse than getting something that doesn't matter. I mean, you don't wrap up a present of something old you, something that doesn't mean anything to you, does it? It doesn't cost anything, no. It demonstrates the value. And so our gifts need to provide value to others and to God. Fifth lesson that we learn from the Magi is the Magi operated with prudence. Now, we know they were called wise men. Now, this can be a word some of you don't know, but this is important. You need to know it, all right? When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to the Lord. So they used prudence in how they handled their affairs. Real quick, little dictionary, vocabulary lesson for some of you educators. Y'all are going to know this, but we're going to all help, okay? What is prudence? I want you to listen to what the dictionary says prudence is, and you'll understand why we need to learn this lesson. Prudence is the ability to govern and discipline oneself by the use of reason. Man, I want you to think about how much pain and heartache you or others in your life could have saved if they could learn to govern and discipline themselves with reason instead of emotion, passion, anger, whatever, okay? Listen to this, shrewdness in the management of affairs, which is what? Handling your business wisely. Don't believe everything everybody tells you. Herod was lying. Listen, people lie. People cheat. People are trying to gain things at your expense. And don't be a dum-dum. My young people, whenever you have your little friends who tell you something, you don't have to believe everything they say. They will lie. Listen, use prudence. Listen to what they say. Weigh it against what your parents said, what your grandparents said, what your teacher said, and then you and manage yourself and the things that are going on properly. Skill and good judgment in the use of resources. Wow. How many people's life is in total shambles because they could not manage and use good judgment in how they handled their money? Prudence. The last one, caution or circumspection as to danger or risk. Listen, I see people who just barrel off like they're not, they ain't got no sense at all. I know that's not good English. But you got to use prudence. Assess danger properly. Danger can come and risk can come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. The wise men didn't just take Herod's word for it. And understand, there was some risk involved. Because Herod was the king. He was appointed proconsulate over the region by the Roman Empire. He had authority. He had an army. And so there was very real risk involved in going a different route and not coming back through Jerusalem. Now, you might think, well, Herod forgot. No, no. Herod is so serious about this that he does what? He basically commits mass genocide. So he's serious. There's very real risk. But the wise men, the magi, understood how to manage the risk and make the appropriate choice. I can't tell you how important it is for us to remember that God is calling us to handle our affairs with prudence. You may be sitting here looking at your life, and in some facet of your life, you have not handled your affairs prudently. It's okay. We all make mistakes. Sometimes we do better in some areas than others. Well, guess what, though? Our call is to begin to handle them in a prudent fashion. That's a lesson we can learn. So these five lessons, I'll go over them real quick, and we'll close. 
Five lessons from the story of the Magi. Hey, finding Jesus is a priority. Worshiping Jesus should be my purpose. Fulfilling my purpose requires perseverance. Presence should be appropriate and meaningful. And handle your affairs with prudence. Now, as you think about their story and the record of this story, I'm sure there are many other things that folks who are smarter, wiser than I could point out about this. But I think five's enough for now that we could really hone in on. What part of this story that God saw fit to record in His Scriptures, that He saw fit to lead me to share today, what part of that story is impacting your story? Whatever it is, apply it appropriately. If you do that, this will be a great day at church because you will have heard from God and you will have applied His truth into your own life and then things will go well for you. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful for the truth revealed to us through Your Holy Scriptures. We pray, God, for wisdom and discernment to understand them, strength, character, the fortitude necessary to apply them. We thank you that you came to this earth as a baby, interjected yourself into the affairs of men for our salvation. We're very grateful in Christ's name. Amen. Now, Jesus came as a baby. We know that that was just a part of the story.